the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Monday, March the 9th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on March 9, 1945, during World War II, U.S. B-29 bombers began launching bombs, incendiary bombs, against Tokyo. About 100,000 people died. Today, in 1933, Congress called into special session by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. They began what they called its or their hundred days of enacting New Deal legislation. Today, in 1959, Mattel's Barbie doll was created by Ruth Handler, made his public debut at the American International Toy Fair in New York. Well, I guess she had a pretty good idea. Barbie doll's still hanging around. She hasn't aged. Some of the others that were around in 1959, I've noticed, have aged somewhat. Some of you, some of us, of course, have not. But I'm kidding. Today in 1981, Dan Rather made his debut as the principal anchorman on um, CBS Evening News. Today in 1987, Chrysler Corporation announced that it had agreed to by the financially ailing American Motors Corporation. Aren't they the ones that made the like the Nash Rambler and all that? I think they I think they were. Anyway, Chrysler bought them today in 1987. And today in 2005, the same day, some years later, Dan Rather signed off for the last time as the anchorman of the CBS Evening News. Today in 2009, President Barack Obama lifted the George W. Bush-era limits on using federal dollars for embryonic stem cell research. Remember that? I talked about it in the daily blog or the daily article that I write. wasn't on the radio yet at that time, but I did a lot of research on stem cell research back in those years, and I, I remember it was uh, quite an issue. Well, it still is an issue. Nothing has changed except so many more layers have been put on this attack on life itself. But anyway, Barack Obama did what Barack Obama loved to do, advance the pro-abortion, anti-life agenda. That was today in 2009. Ten years ago today, Vice President Joe Biden, he was visiting Israel. He condemned Israel and an Israeli plan to build hundreds of homes in East Jerusalem. Joe Biden often speaks about how religious he is. Does he not know how Israel acquired the land that we know as Israel today? Does he not know that God gave them that land? I don't know. Five years ago today, Apple's CEO Tim Cook unveiled the Apple Watch in San Francisco very popular. A lot of people wear those watches, and uh, they're kind of like a phone, I guess. On the watch, it does all kinds of things. It's a computer. You know, personally, I've been thinking lately, and I'm, I'm not 
kidding. I don't know that I'm going to do it, but I've been thinking lately. I wouldn't mind going back to a flip phone. It just seems a lot simpler to me. Anyway, one year ago today, Julia Ruth Stevens. She was the last surviving daughter of the great baseball player, Babe Ruth. She died at an assisted living facility in Nevada. She was 102 years old. She had spent her life pretty much, as far as I know, telling stories about her dad because people have just a, an enduring interest in the great Babe Ruth, the great baseball player. Well, Julia was his last daughter. She passed away at 102 one year ago today. She told the story of her dad and his baseball Escapades. Boy, he was something else, I'll tell you. I, of course, didn't remember seeing him play, but I sure, as a kid, was very interested in baseball, and I was very interested in Babe Ruth, as many of us were. Members of Congress are beginning to get increasingly anxious. NBC News is saying this morning they're anxious about the, no, not, not Iraq or any of that stuff, about the coronavirus because it's starting to seep into the halls of Congress. Even, they're talking about even, uh, according to NBC News, potentially re uh, recessing for a period of weeks. Multiple sources, NBC says, said anxiety was on the rise among lawmakers as more cases are reported and the virus spreads. Representative Paul Gosar, a, a Republican from Arizona, said he's going to close his office in Washington He's going to self-quarantine himself at home in Arizona for 14 days after he came into extended contact with a person who was hospitalized with the virus. The disease caused by uh, uh, the COVID-19, the disease, uh, disease caused by the virus, and NBC said they came into contact at the recent conservative political action conference in Maryland, uh, where Gosar was. A he is a conservative. Well, uh, other people came into contact there as well. In fact, um, news over the weekend reported that at least one person who was at last week's conservative political action conference, that would probably be the same person, was there when President Donald Trump attended and spoke. And two people were at the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee conference last week where Vice President Mike Pence was the speaker. All three of those have tested positive. The one, as I said, is in the hospital. But they're saying that Vice President Pence and President Trump neither had direct contact with this person. And um, so they're taking steps. You know, they're looking into that, as you can imagine pretty significantly, but Ted Cruz was at that conservative uh, PAC, the CPAC, and he did have contact with this guy, and um, he met with him just for a few minutes. I heard uh, Ted Cruz talking about it on the media. He said he met with him just for a few minutes. They shook hands and talked face-to-face -face for a little while, so Ted Cruz has, um, he has made it clear in his statement that he's not going to infect anyone else if he in fact is infected so he has now self-quarantined himself and he is going to stay that way for a number of days as needed he said and um, he'll see if he gets the disease or not but he's not going to put it on anyone else he said he after he found out that that guy was infected 
and they had had that conversation and had shaken hands. Uh, Ted Cruz said he contacted the his own physician and the local county uh, public health where he lives and the Centers for Disease Control, CDC, and he said he spoke to uh, Vice President Mike Pence and McConnell, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell, and he said he spoke to Mark Meadows. I'm not going to talk a lot about Mark Meadows today, but just to say that President Trump has chosen him as chief of staff. That is probably one of the greatest decisions that Trump has made. And I think he's made a lot of good decisions as president. That is a phenomenal decision. Maybe one of these days we'll get into it and I'll tell you why it is. But I think you're going to see this play out. He is a smart, really good, well-connected and uncompromising politician, in my view. And he's very loyal to Trump. And Trump needs that. He needs all of that right now, because yet uh, this morning it's being reported that Vice President Joe Biden is so confident that he is now going to win. The, one of the reasons that he's going to win, Rahm Emanuel outlined it. Rahm Emanuel was chief of staff for Obama, as you recall. He was on ABC with George Stephanopoulos yesterday morning. And Rahm Emanuel was essentially saying that uh, he was asked about it. They said, well, what do you think politically? What do you think about the coronavirus? And he said, well, he said the coronavirus, I think, will cause Trump to lose the election. He said he had the momentum until now. But he said now the stock market is tanking. And that was yesterday. He said that today the stock market tanked at one point about 1,800 points. In fact, it was so bad that the electronic triggers kicked in and stopped the trading. I mean, it's very volatile. And I'm sure you're aware of that if you own stock. I, you know, I, I don't know, but it, it is not good. So he was identifying that and he said, the stock market is tanking and it's up and down. It's just gyrating up and down. And he said that coupled to the fact that Trump has been able to get such support. This is Rahm Emanuel, deep, deep Democrat, far, far left. Obama confident, but he's saying that Trump will not be able to continue to hold his mega rallies around the country because of the distancing that we're going to be practicing, trying to avoid infecting one another with this coronavirus. Well, I think he has a point there, but the the overriding point is that Rahm Emanuel is a disciple of Saul Alinsky, as is Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Barack Obama has taught the principles of Saul Alinsky, who is, you know, an, is an export of, of Karl Marx and all that gang. So what they're saying is, and Rahm Emanuel has said this a number of times and was quoted in the press when he worked in the White House. He said, never let a crisis go to waste. And that's one of Alinsky's principles when you for far left organizing, all that kind of thing. When you see a crisis, capture it, use it, exploit it for your agenda, because because the end to the far left always justifies the means. You can lie, you can cheat, you can do whatever, because your means is so the, the your end is so noble that the means doesn't matter. That makes them righteous because your purpose, your end game, is righteous, and that's where Rahm Emanuel was coming from, but he makes a good point. But apparently, apparently Joe Biden has either been talking to him or he's on the same track because this morning, Vice President 
Biden's inner circle is saying they're discussing a list of cabinet picks. Many of the names, when he becomes president, many of the names are going to be a return from the Obama administration. Secretary of State John Kerry will definitely be back in either Secretary of State role or a different role. National Security Advisor Susan Rice, she wasn't nominated for that, although they wanted to, uh, Obama wanted to uh, put her in that position. But they were afraid that she couldn't survive a confirmation hearing because she had stood and lied to the nation about the Benghazi attacks. Remember that? All of these people are going to be brought back, and Biden is already talking to them. He hasn't beat Bernie yet, but he's so confident he's going to beat Bernie and he's going to beat President Trump. Now, I'm not agreeing. I'm just saying that's what's going on in our country today. And all of this is pretty much based, or at least in part, based around this coronavirus. So, you know, he's looking at Biden. Even his people are, are talking to others or looking at others. Amy Klobuchar as vice president, Kamala Harris as a vice president. He's looking at all these different people and he's lining them up for his new cabinet when he becomes president of the United States. We're living in some uncharted territory for sure, politically, medically, physically, culturally, socially. Jay Inslee was saying yesterday on CBS, and I'll come back to that in a moment, but he was saying yesterday that in Washington State, which is kind of the epicenter in the United States for this disease, he was saying that he's looking at taking some steps. The Seattle mayor is over, I think she's over-empowered to do some things. I'll come back to that in a moment as well. But I will tell you, that there are people that are, are are seething at the bit to take advantage of this horrible, horrible tragedy that has come upon us through this virus. Because that's what they do. And I'm not I'm not overstating this to make my point. Yes, I'm a conservative, and yes, I'm a pastor and I have a pastor's heart, and I am a conservative Christian, and I deeply believe in what we're saying on this program. I wouldn't be doing it otherwise, I can tell you. But this is something to watch because there is that deeply embedded in the left is they're they're obsessed with advancing this secular progressive agenda that kicks God out of the picture even though they claim to be Christian, many of them do. It is to remove the founding principles of this nation upon which this nation thrived and became the most free, the most prosperous, the most blessed, the most beautiful nation in the history of the world. But that doesn't matter because the agenda is more important than their beliefs. I mean, the the beliefs. They will not, they will not accommodate Conservative views, conservative principles, particularly biblical Judeo-Christian values. They will not. I know they claim to be Christian. Pete Buttigieg ran all over the country giving sermons and kissing his husband on stage. Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden says, will definitely have a place in his administration. 
place of honor, I think he said in one news report that I saw. Man. Let me give you something to smile about before we move along here. A recent peer-reviewed study, this is, this is for grandparents only. The rest of you can, you know, just listen passively for just 30 seconds. A peer-reviewed uh, study, this is true, from a journal, Evolution and Human Behavior magazine. I don't read it, but I noticed this article. They have determined that grandparents who babysit their grandchildren tend to live significantly longer than those who don't. The study was done with over 500 people of 70-plus years of age, and it reached some very definitive conclusions, they say, in their peer-reviewed study. Seniors who helped care for their grandkids had a whopping, these are their words, 37% lower mortality risk than adults of the same age who have no caring responsibilities. Does that mean, like if we're over 70 and live take care of our grandkids, we'll live forever? I don't know. But we have a 37% lower mortality risk than adults of the same age who don't babysit their grandkids all the time. I'm just wondering, who did this survey? I think, personally, it was people, couples in their 30s who have three or four kids and they want grandma and grandpa to babysit all the time. I think that's where this came from. You can give that some thought. You may not agree, but... I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's the basis for this scientific research. Now, I think that's a good idea. We babysit our grandkids sometimes. I, I hope my son, my, particularly my son and his wife, don't see that article because they, they're the ones with the little kids. I love those little kids. But um, I don't know. Sometimes I think it shortens your life to babysit little grandkids. But anyway, it's great. This continuing spread of coronavirus is worldwide. It continues to dominate the news, and it should. It's very serious. Rasmussen published a survey Friday on how Americans are responding. I want to touch on that a little bit. I wrote a a longer and a more in-depth article on this subject today, and I would encourage you to read it because I'm not going to cover all of it in this program. It's at faithandfreedom.us, faithandfreedom.us. If you go to that website, that's our website, first thing you'll see, will it'll come up, is the article. It's coronavirus, how Americans really feel about it. It's a picture of a guy, a Chinese guy. We must not forget where this came from. I'm hearing more and more rhetoric out there in the media. People saying, well, this this is not an ethnic matter. Well, it isn't an ethnic, ethnic matter. But I think there are reasons to remember where it came from. And I'm working on some notes, and I'm doing some research to talk about that on this program soon. But I want to be sure I get it right, and I want to feel good in my spirit about about it. But we shouldn't forget where this comes from. No, I'm not saying blame the Chinese people, but we should not forget that it was the Chinese government who was trying to hide this thing for so long, and they finally couldn't contain it, and it got out. And that's when the world started reacting and started to take steps and they came out, and now newspapers in China are are praising over the weekend. And I read a couple of those articles, translated to English, of course, but I read a couple of those articles. They're praising the leader of China as being the world leader in conquering this disease, as though it came from somewhere else. 
He's the guy that tried to suppress it. Anyway, we'll get into that another time. But it's worldwide now. The Wall Street Journal gave a global snapshot on Friday, or Saturday, Friday, of just how far the virus has spread and how various governments are responding. It's very interesting. So that's an article that I wrote. You may want to take a look at it. But the Wall Street Journal said governments around the globe escalated efforts to halt the spread of coronavirus as infections expanded to new parts of the U.S. And officials urged people not to gather in large groups, block some cruise ships from docking or leaving. That one cruise ship that didn't have a place to dock, you may have heard, is now going to be docking today. I think it is in Oakland. Wall Street Journal says the number of confirmed coronavirus cases globally exceeded 105,000 as of Sunday. That was yesterday. Italy quarantined about 17 million people in the northern part of the country and around Milan and elsewhere, I think. Connecticut, um, the Wall Street Journal says Connecticut, Missouri, uh, Washington, D.C., Vermont announced their first cases over the weekend. The virus is now well in well over half of the U.S. states with 466 cases and a total of 19 deaths, according to data compiled by Johns Hopkins University over the weekend. The majority of deaths have occurred in Washington state. We know that where the outbreak has centered on an elderly care facility. Of course, we know that too. Life that 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 has become everybody knows that six states have declared states of emergency, granting their governors additional powers to combat the virus spread. New York, California, Florida, Maryland, Washington, and yesterday, Oregon declared that as well. The Seattle Times is noting that yesterday, Governor Inslee told CBS Face the Nation that many actions are being contemplated. He said he's going to act on Monday. That's this morning. He said that yesterday to CBS said he's going to take some actions today, so we'll see what those are. He said, we're looking at extending what are voluntary decisions right now. But he said more decisions will be made on Monday, today. The next step could involve reducing the number of social activities that are going on. I think that's a wise move, but I also, you have to wonder, when you hear Ron, uh, Rahm Emanuel and these other guys, Joe Biden rushing ahead, you know, you wonder... I mean, are, how much of this is politically motivated? I mean, I don't know. But you got to know part of it is, at least. The state, King County, Seattle, they've all altered, declared states of emergency in response to this virus. Seattle's emergency. We know how, we know how Governor Inslee feels about Vice President Pence. He's been very clear about that. He repeats it often. He sort of takes joy, really, in criticizing the president, the vice president, publicly. So, I mean, we don't have to, like, figure out what, how he feels about the president. But you have to wonder, is, is any of this motivated politically? And if so, how much of it is? But Rasmussen has done a poll, and that's what I wanted to put out there today. And I, I'm not going to go through all of it on this program because we don't have time to do it, but they put out a poll, a research poll that I found very interesting. It's about people's opinion right now. A month from now, this will be, you know, outdated. Tomorrow it'll be outdated. But the coronavirus is a major threat to the United States, according to 41% of the people. 
the media and some politicians are playing up the threat of coronavirus to hurt President Trump. 51%. And that 51% was of government employees. Nobody, 0%, was not sure about how they felt about it. Everybody has an opinion. And I, I tell you, I read a lot of polls, and I've not seen anyone, any poll that had a 0% where nobody was without an opinion on any issue. I've never seen that before, but on that specific question, 0% was unsure. Questions were asked, the coronavirus is a major health threat to the United States. Just general population, 49% said they believe it is. The media and some politicians are playing up the threat of the coronavirus to hurt President Trump. 35% of America believes that to be true. Government employees also rate the Trump administration's response to the coronavirus higher than all U.S. voters. In other words, people working for the government are more positive about what Trump is doing. I suppose many of them are Democrats as well as Republicans, but they're more positive about what Trump is doing than the, the population in general because of the of the resistance from the left on anything that happens. So there's a lot of facts there that you might want to read as you go through that. But what I wanted to leave with you today is the Christian response to all of this. This is going to happen. We're going to keep talking about it. It's dominating local, our federal, and global news. The world is thinking and talking about this virus. But keep in mind, I think... The two things that I would like to leave with you today from God's word is that, number one, the Bible says, come now, let us reason together. And we're we're talking about salvation there from Isaiah. I think many of you know that. But God is a reasonable God, and I think God has created us. I know God has created us to have a common sense factor in our lives. And I think one of the things that we have got to look at is we don't want to be in denial about this. And I know there's pastors out there now that are sounding like they're they're calling people to be in denial and just, oh, you know, kind of just, you know, claim that this doesn't exist. And I, I don't think that's where God would be leading us and his word would be leading us at this time. We need to be realistic about this. We need to know what's going on. We've got to be we've got to be informed, but we should not be overcome by it. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, Paul writes. For our light affliction, which is but a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God has a purpose in all things. God doesn't cause evil, but God takes even evil and makes something good out of it. He brings about his purposes. We cannot lose, we cannot lose sight of that truth because That's the world we live in when we are a part of the kingdom of God. And we must look at all of this through the lens of God's promises and through the lens of of what God has said he would do. And God has brought, even from the crucifixion, there were those Christians who said, man, it's over. It's over. He's dead. And we followed him. We left all to follow Jesus. And he's dead. Well, we know how that story ends. He He was dead, but he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected. And that's how God works through these kinds of situations. God always brings 
good out of evil if we will allow him to be God in our own personal lives. Hey, thank you for being with me today. We'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow. Thank you for your support.